The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with James Anderson, lead prospect writer. Final prospect podcast of the regular season. Big thanks to New Day for providing the soundtrack this season. N-E-U-D-A-E at New Day Music on Twitter. Appreciate the song Lion Kings. In case you haven't, in case you're unfamiliar by now. I'm sure there are new listeners tuning in for the first time on this podcast, but uh, maybe so. You never know. We'll also be finishing up our hip-hop countdown top tens, finishing with number one. And spoiler alert, James and I have the same pick. We haven't had the same pick on any other uh, at any other point throughout this countdown, but we do today. Also going to be doing our hitter prospect draft back and forth for 2018 only, but it should be a fun exercise. Yeah, last week we did the pitchers. Uh, I would recommend checking that out. I thought that that was really useful uh just for people thinking to 2018 already i know a lot of people have been talking about you know what the first and second round of 2018 drafts are going to look like well you know a lot of the you know i think there's going to be more impact 
pitching next season than there was this year in terms of pitching prospects. So I would recommend going back and checking this out. Uh, the hitter, the hitter draft this year, uh, th- this is going to be tougher. I think last, last week I, I didn't really struggle too much. Uh, I had a pretty solid, you know, top 20, top 25 or so. I mean, on the hitter side, I mean, you could really go 30, 40 deep in terms of legitimate options for guys that could contribute next year. So I'm interested to see how this shakes out. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that about early draft thoughts for 2018 because it's really never too early to start looking ahead and I was invited to take part in a early mock the two early mock invited by Justin Mason of friends with fantasy benefits good guy and it's just a fun exercise because man you realize that offense is up around the league but actually doing a mock draft you realize just how deep the top three rounds even are going to be this year so with that in mind I ended up taking Scherzer with my first pick at 12 overall I really want, if I'm picking at the back half of the that first round, I want to get one of those top four arms, you know, uh, Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer, or Kluber, because I know with my next two pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna get somebody who maybe doesn't fall, but somebody who's a, a really good contributor with my next two picks. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Scott Jenstead about that on Twitter. I, I know he posted a piece kind of profiling what he thinks next year's first round should look like, and then some guys that kind of just missed the cut, and it's pretty clear to me already that I'd love to be picking in the back half of the first round for exactly what you said. You get one of those aces and the hitter that you take, whether it's with your first pick or your second pick, I mean, it could be a guy like Carlos Correa, could be a guy like Chris Bryant. I mean, I've been looking at a lot of these kind of mock-ups of, you know, what the top 20 or, or so might look like. Guys like Anthony Rizzo and Corey Seager are nowhere to even be found. You know, I mean that's that's how deep it is. So I mean, Rizzo is so undervalued. It seems like just in the general fantasy public, it's kind yeah, of a I think head scratch. I think it's just because guys like Joey Votto, uh, Paul Goldschmidt have really emerged and have been. You know, they started out so hot. Whereas Rizzo, he's he had a rough couple of months. He's been scorching hot lately. If you if you've owned him at all, but uh, I think it's just that more attention's being paid to a couple other first basemen and you have some guys uh you know emerging that maybe either are just better in batting average or have more to offer in steals but yeah I think he wherever he ends up going it's gonna seem a little too late I think next season yeah then with the second pick in that market 19 overall after picking 12 Giancarlo Stanton still there still not getting the the love this isn't an industry draft again it is a mock but I wouldn't think I'd be the guy that that's falling into Stanton because I was kind of lower on him coming into the year just given the history but uh man what he does is awesome and in this power environment today it's going to be harder and harder to compete in home runs you need some of those heavy lifters and some of the guys that went after Stanton Lindor who's obviously you know a, a bit had been a been a big power contributor this year but uh, it's hard to know what the new baseline is for some of these guys. J.D. Martinez as well. So regardless of where you're picking in the second round, you're, you're pretty much going to get a really good hitter. Yeah, it's just it's going to be so hard to decide exactly how much power to try to end up with in those first three or four picks. I mean, you're, you're you don't want to completely punt speed either. Right. I, I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to be drawn more towards guys that can at least give me, you know, 10, 12 steals. Or maybe guys that I feel extremely confident in them hitting around 300 just because I feel like those are 
those are categories that are much harder to kind of fill in later in the draft. But I, I mean, you're right. Like if, if you want to win or finish top three in, in home runs and RBI, you are going to end up, uh, you are going to need to end up with one of those guys that does hit 40 plus next year, because I'm sure it'll be, you know, anywhere from three to six or seven guys that ends up doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was considering Lindor there, but I was actually considering Stanton at 12. It's like, I can't really pass him up here. I do agree though, that, there, there are things working against him. Obviously, position you can find a an outfielder, kind of a dime a dozen, not that caliber, but getting a guy like Lindor, I mean, plugs an obvious need at short, gives you a little speed, a good average. Just don't know how to to project the power with guys like that who've had breakouts this year, and we assume it's going to be sustainable because of well, well, it seems like the prevailing thought is the juiced ball, but it's just kind of a, a matter of, of constantly evolving, a constantly evolving process in the game evaluating fantasy baseball but james let's get into this draft i got the first pick you had the first last week who was the first pitcher you took last week again alex reyes that's right and i went you went brent honeywell yeah honeywell and then i went kopech you went force whitley uh nice a lot of a lot of heavy hitters at the top there last week definitely go check that out yeah absolutely i thought that was really good this one i, I thought maybe i went back and forth a little bit then i was thinking well what, what the hell am i thinking there's a clear choice here at number one it's got to be Ron Acuna, even if he's not with the major league team to break camp, which is unlikely. They're going to keep him down, gain that extra year of control. But even if he's behind a couple of weeks from some of these other guys, I still think he ends up outproducing them for fantasy purposes. We've seen that park there in Atlanta be a bit more hitter-friendly uh, with SunTrust opening. Acuna really does it all across the board. Hasn't missed a beat as he's moved up the ladder, only really gotten better, so... Uh, and I know they've talked about trading one of their corner guys this winter. I think the, the Braves probably do that, even if they're basically giving a guy like Matt Kemp away. I think they'd be happy to do that, opening up a spot for Acuna, and I think he has a big year. Yeah, he was he was the guy I would have taken if he'd passed. Uh, just so much upside, five-category upside. We know he's going to be up in, in April. I mean, that's that's just a, a fact. Like, you can – you don't have to play around like he, he, he'll be up in April uh, draft him as such. If you're having any early drafts, uh, he, we've talked, we've talked about him on, on every show. Probably it seems like for the past, you know, eight or nine episodes. But uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do the pitchers first last week was there, there's a lot of hitters that either have recently graduated uh, Reese Hoskins and Rosario, Dominic Smith have all graduated in the past week or so. Uh, was yeah, trying unavailable. to yeah was trying to get as many of those guys to graduate as possible before we did this draft. But the guy I'm going to end up taking, Clint Frazier, he's got 124 at bats in the big leagues this year. Probably isn't going to be prospect eligible. Uh, I would guess by the end of the season, but he's prospect eligible right now. I think that you know there are some other guys like he he's not on a tier of by himself in terms of how confident I am that he opens the year in an everyday role. But, you know, among those guys, he's the one who has been, who has seen the most big league pitching has had a a good deal of success. I think, I mean, you know, the batting average, a little low, not getting on base at a super high clip, but I mean, he's, he's hit for power. He hits the ball real hard. Every time I watch him play, uh, just, I, I think that he's, a guy who you know when it when it does click for him against big league pitching uh it's going to be a, a pretty special package and i'm not i'm not sure exactly what he's going to contribute in speed 
a guy that you know the the steals have kind of ticked down as he's as he's gotten older as you'd expect but I think if if he can get on base at just like a 320 a 325 type of clip I think there there might be double digit steals there and then you know in that park in that lineup I think uh, the rest of it's gonna gonna look pretty nice so I think there's a, a fairly high floor with Frazier and and plenty of upside as well and just to be clear we don't need to fill any positions here we're just drafting yeah. hitters so I'm going to take Victor Robles with my second pick. Uh, you know, this is one where it's like, yeah, maybe I'm sacrificing some volume here, but the talent through the roof. And maybe he is up. Obviously, he was up. Uh, currently is up, but not playing a whole lot. I think next year, Jason Wirth's kind of on his last leg, it seems like. I think they'll find pretty regular at-bats for, for Robles. Need to get him acclimated at the major league level, too, with, with Harper's free agency looming. I think he has a pretty good year. Maybe a bit of an adjustment period, but this guy's, you know, the talent is pretty much unmatched if you're if you're talking about guys outside of Ron Acuna in the minor leagues. So I'll take Robles, even if I maybe don't get as many at-bats as I could with some other player. Yeah, he was he was a little further down for me just because I'd, I'm just not sure when we see him in that everyday role. I mean... Yeah, this my, is for 2018 only. Right, and we're... I don't know if we said this, but we are, we are going to tally this up at the end of 2018 roto categories on the the pitching side we replace saves with innings on the hitting side it's just the standard five roto categories so uh obviously you need speed you need uh you gotta factor in what you think they're gonna hit for average uh you know michael taylor has quietly been a a pretty solid option for them in center i think he's been about a two-win player so you know they don't have to rush Robles I think that maybe they start him at triple a and kind of see what happens but yeah I I totally get that I mean he's he's got to be you know one two or three maybe in terms of guys we might draft here for if I was just pegging stolen base totals at the end of the year and yeah that's that's a good lineup to be in for sure uh I'll go with Lewis Brinson uh you know he he doesn't have It'll be interesting to see what the Brewers do this offseason with a guy like Keon Broxton. Uh, maybe they shop Brett Phillips. I, I don't think that they're, you know, I, I think they're pretty thrilled with the amount of hype Brett Phillips has gotten for his defense since he's been up. I mean, they've known about it all along, but I think that they would love for some team to really view him as a as a high-end prospect asset that they could possibly move this offseason. I think they'll also be looking at, at possibly training a guy like Keon Broxson and if they can move him for a controllable bullpen arm. But, uh, you know, Brinson, I think, does play. I, I think he he's a regular for them for at least two-thirds of the season. I'm not exactly sure how that manifests itself, but he's obviously someone they're building around. Uh, the defense in center field is is enough for him to, to warrant those at-bats, even if maybe they're giving up a little bit on offense right away. But you know, definite power speed potential right out of the gate. I don't expect him to hit for a high average next year. I'm sacrificing a little bit there. Uh, I expect Clint Frazier to hit for a higher average than Brinson, but I think eventually Brinson becomes a 275 hitter. But I think next year, I mean, especially in that park, you could see 12 to 15 homers. You could see 15 steals. I think that that's definitely in play. So I'm just going to kind of go with the the pedigree, the tools, and the fact that I think he's big league ready. Very nice, very nice. Brett Phillips' arm, man, has been impressive. But I don't really think – well, I also think they may move a, an outfielder this winter, but I don't think Phillips would be a big 
hurdle for for Lewis Brinson to clear. I'm gonna go. I, I'm tempted to go with a homer pick here, but I'm gonna use my better judgment and ride your coattails. It's usually my when my better decisions come, <laughs> and go with a guy that you've been pumping, Austin Hayes. Not only up with a surprise call up, somewhat surprising anyway. Also leading off the past two days makes me think, man. Clearly, the organization thinks a lot of him. Clearly, he's uh, made quite an impression on Buck Showalter already. So maybe Hayes, kind of like Mancini this year, ends up sticking around playing most of the season at the big league level. And if he's batting leadoff in that order, I mean, he could have a, a big fantasy season. Yeah, man, I I, I really like Hayes. I guess, obviously, my prospect rankings have him high enough that I should expect him to come off the board. I was hoping I could maybe get him around or two later, but... Oh man, he's, I mean, we've been pumping him here for a while, uh, up to 17 on the top 400 for us. Uh, this dude's legit. He skipped AAA altogether. I mean, the, the numbers he put up in the minors, I mean, over 60% better than the average hitter at, uh, high A and double A this year, just massive power numbers. I mean, a guy that really looks like he could be a, a four category stud and if you look at the way that outfield aligns next year you know I I thought maybe initially they were just going to kind of bring him up for the stretch run kind of get him acclimated but you know they they figure to lose Seth Smith uh I don't I don't really see any obvious candidate to to not be starting in left field other than other than him I mean I think it's going to be him uh Adam Jones and Trey Mancini in that outfield next year. It just kind of seems the way it's going to shake out. Um, I mean, if he's going for like a – well, his stock will probably rise before then, but if he's like a buck or two at the end of auctions, it could be a league winner. Yeah, I'm going to be real upset. I actually am kind of honestly happy to see that his batting average is down a little bit. Uh, it, it was up above 300 for a bit there. Uh, definitely am not looking to see many people hyping him up this offseason because, yeah, it'd be a nice – be a nice guy to get in dollar days. And I think that that's in play just because, you know, a lot of people that don't follow prospects closely probably haven't even heard of him unless they've been catching an O's game lately. Uh, I mean, he, he was definitely a guy that was a little under the radar coming into the year. I know we had him sort of on the fringe of the top 200, but man, he, he's been raking all year. Uh, I like that pick a lot. Uh, All right. Well, look, I, I'm going to give you another chance to be a homer. I'm going to (laughs) take, Gonna take a non-red here, but you know I got I got reds, reds all over my my next best available. So be careful. Yeah, uh, same. It's like I have to pick between two of them now. I was hoping <laughs> you would narrow that choice down. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take Ryan McMahon with the Rockies. Um, you know he's a guy that's had a, a couple cup of coffees with the big league team, and you know hasn't really done much. Not not surprising. He's just had 15 at bats. But I think next year, you know, he, he's first base. Yeah, I think that that's. I think he'll at least get a shot in spring training to kind of win that job. And they they have a lot of stuff to kind of figure out with that outfield. Um, you know what what do you do with Ian Desmond? Like how how locked in is Trevor Story? I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I think is kind of up for debate with how they're going to deploy stuff. But McMahon's kind of shown this year that. There's not really much more for him to do at AAA. Maybe he gets sent back down for for another month or two, but 
I think he'll be up for the majority of next year, and I think they'll find a way to give him at bats. And the fact that he's versatile and, you know, God forbid something happens to Nolan Arenado, he can move over to third. He's, he's, he can play second base in a pinch. I'm sure he could probably handle left field if, if necessary too. So I think his versatility probably helps him a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, you can't rule out the idea that maybe they shop him a little bit this winter. I mean, if he, if he gets traded to a, a lesser team that doesn't have a, a roadblock for him at either third or first, or maybe has the DH available, then he, then he maybe, you know, definitely opens the year on the big league roster. So, uh, and I love the, the opportunity for him to play in cores, just, you know, like that upside playing in that part. Yeah. Possibility of a trade, obviously it would hurt leaving cores, but opening up more playing time, I think you'd trade that, uh, you know, chance at an everyday role for, for the park. I'm going to go with, with my Homer pick, take the guy who's already logged over a hundred at bats at the big league level. I imagine the Reds will probably play some games with Nick Senzel next year. Maybe not play games, but hold him down. Maybe till super two day passes. So maybe spends half the year, maybe at the big league level. But I think Jesse Winker is going to spend the entire year at the big league level. It's just so safe with that approach and emerging power, more power than I don't think anybody expected. Love that. Six homers at the big league level and what, only like two with Louisville? I forget the exact number, but. I mean, he, he's already hit more homers at the big league level than he hit in a full year at AAA last year, full year at AAA this year. So Yeah, it's pretty impressive. That. Yeah. And that's the great American ballpark factor, which is great. Obviously, you got to take that into account with any Reds player you're evaluating for fantasy. I also think there's a decent chance, you know, I like Billy Hamilton, love what he does, but I think Winker should probably be the leadoff guy next year. He's got a little bit of Votto in him with that approach, such a good eye at the plate, and Billy really, I think, should be the second leadoff. If Brian Price wants to keep his job for yet another year, we'll see. <laughs> um, Kick the can. You'd think he'd have to do something. <laughs> Kick that can down the road. Keep him, <laughs> keep him employed. Just constant one-year extensions. You know, I think Winker should Winker, be a Winker, guy. he obviously belongs in the top yeah. two or three spots in that lineup. That approach is obviously legendary. I, I'm so excited that he's tapping into some power because it would have been real sad if that approach had kind of gotten wasted and he'd kind of gone down some kind of Nick Marcakis type of career path. That would have been sad, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it's all fields power. It's obviously not crazy pop. Like he, he's not hitting tape measure shots out, but I've seen him hit them out to, to all fields. And like you said, that ballpark, uh, the ballpark in Milwaukee, obviously some, some places where you can definitely do some damage. <clears throat> he we was, expected him up early this year. Well, I didn't expect Scott Shebler yeah. to, Hit thirty to, homers to, to be a a block uh, a roadblock for him, you know, mm. and and I thought there was even a chance that Adam Duvall could struggle to the point where Winker would get a shot over him. So I feel like that situation will take care of itself, if not this off season, then spring training. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> it's it's not that close to me on just comparing Winker's upside when you factor in the the hit tool and the approach compared to those other two guys. Uh, he was my next guy on my list, so um, happy that you made the right choice taking that red. Uh, you might even be able to make a pair because I'm I'm going non-red again. Uh, Derek Fisher with the Astros. This one's tough because I don't know how the playing time shakes out, and they just have so many pieces. I I'd love a trade. I'd love for him to to get dealt somewhere, but. 
I just don't think there's any demand right now for outfielders of any kind from any team. <laughs> I mean, it's prospects or established players. I just don't – every team has too many. And it's going to be <clears throat> tough for, for Fisher to, to earn an everyday role, I think, in Houston just because of their depth. But he's shown, you know, 123 at-bats this year. Already has five homers and three steals. So at least he's shown the power-speed combo already. I think that maybe, you know, even if it's part-time duty next year, I think he's got a chance to get, uh, you know, 15 homers, 10 steals, something like that. So at least I, I can chase some counting stats with him. Nice. Well, he called my bluff on that second red. He may have to go elsewhere. But a quick note from our sponsor first. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way to shop. For tickets, I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I instantly find seats. Actually, just used SeatGeek recently to buy tickets to the Tim and Eric show. I'm sure we have a lot of T&E fans and listening to the pod. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTOMLB today. It's promo code ROTOMLB, R-O-T-O-M-L-B, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. So, James, I'm going to yeah, stray away from Nick Senzel here and go. J.P. Crawford, which may surprise you, have kind of yeah, you've, been low you've been on the J.P. Low man yeah. On him. yeah, how about that? I have been, but the the surge he showed with Lehigh Valley before the call up was impressive. Power spike, but really, what I've been most impressed with at the big league level is the, the plate approach. He's looking really comfortable at the plate, really patient. I think today was his second three walk game at the big league level. Seems clear that they're trying to work him in. It's been largely at the expense of. Uh, Michael Franco, feature a little bit up in the air with that organization. I think Crawford play, plays pretty much every day right from the start next year. and Maybe he doesn't stand out in any one category, but I think he doesn't hurt you in batting average. Counting stats will be useful, even if you know relative to others at shortstop, they're uh, a little bit behind. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a interesting pick, just given your history with that player. The, you know, the Phillies kind of have a poor man's version of the problem the reds have with just too many mouths to feed in their infield like obviously all the reds guys are actually good uh you know you want to get suarez at bats you want to get uh zach cozart at bats um but you know the the reds are gonna have or the the phillies are gonna have to figure out a way to, to open stuff up for him i mean i i there's another philly who's on his way up you know at some point next season to the to the infield too who who are probably going to take here at some point and they just they're gonna have to make some tough choices but I think Crawford certainly you know the combination of 
you know, the offensive potential for him to be a, you know, table setter, maybe a number two hitter for them long-term. And, you know, he, he might not be, uh, Freddie Galvis might be a, a tiny bit better than him, than him defensively at shortstop. But I mean, I think the offensive gap just makes it a slam dunk that Crawford will be their everyday shortstop sooner than later. So yeah, that's a, it's so a good pick. I'm locking down the, the batting average category. <laughs> well, I'll just say that. You're locking down something. You're locking down OBP. It's it's yeah, lucky this that this OBP? isn't an OBP league. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am going to take Willie Calhoun. Uh, nice. I'd consider him. You know, this is... Man, I don't know. I don't know. I guess he's a left fielder now. That's interesting. Um I, the, re, the the Rangers are in a weird spot. I think they're in a kind of in a mini rebuild right now where I don't even think that they're going to be making moves for 2018 with getting to the postseason as the, the top priority. I think they're just trying to kind of figure out what their, their next sort of core is. Obviously, you know, you're going to have Nomar Mazzara as part of that. I think Joey Gallo's clearly part of that. Uh, you know, Willie Calhoun doesn't really bring anything defensively but he you know you have you have him hitting fifth or sixth I think that that's probably a viable spot for him uh I, yeah, have, I you, have you seen him at the big league level you have any impressions I, you know I mean he's he's adjusting a little bit I mean this is a guy that's he's always been aggressive he's got amazing uh bat to ball ability so strikeouts were never an issue for him in the minor leagues but he's also not a guy that ever really walked much so uh definitely the type of guy where you would sort of forecast a bit of you know some growing pains initially um but i think you know over a full season there's enough power there especially in that park that i think 20 homers is a possibility i'm you know i like the hit tool long term wouldn't be surprised if he only hit like 250 next year but you know i think that the at-bat, the bats will be there i think uh, just based on the direction the franchise is in right now very interesting well i like that pick i was considering a guy but since in this draft you know we don't have to plug positions I'm going to bypass francisco mejia right here i was you know if we were just talking about you know end game flyers in a in like a deeper mix league guys who i want to maybe speculate on he might be higher on this list for me than even some of the guys who've been taken so far just because of that positional eligibility. Catcher is such a wasteland, even with the offensive surge, that he'd be a guy that, you know, if I spent my last buck on a crappy cheap catcher and I wanted an upgrade for later in the season, I'd get Mejia on the bench. But since we aren't doing that here, I'm going to bypass him and Senzel again and actually take Kyle Tucker here. I think with Houston – Unlike Cincinnati, you know, they, I, I still think Tucker will probably be down for maybe a couple months even, but they'll be more inclined to bring a guy like that up who's knocking at the door because they'll be competitive again. They'll be right in the mix. And, you know, if there's an injury, especially a long-term injury, he could step right in. Already 287 at-bats at the double-A level. We've seen guys make the leap right over triple-A. I'd imagine he probably starts next year at triple-A, but it's not like he has a whole lot left to prove in the minor leagues. So I think he... You know, I'm giving him the edge here because I think he gets the call ahead of a lot of the other guys near the top of my list. Yeah, and well, I mean, just from a pure uh, tools 
upside pedigree. I mean, he's he's almost in a class by himself at this point uh, for guys that are going to play in the big leagues next year. I I don't know how that playing time situation shakes out. Like I I have zero doubt that in 2019 he's going to be playing every day for them, uh, possibly batting as high as first or second in that lineup for them. Even in that type of a lineup, he's he's got the kind of the kind of hit tool and the kind of you know power speed combination where I think that he would warrant batting fairly high. But I just don't know. I mean, I I took Derek Fisher. Maybe maybe they just are fine with Derek Fisher never being more than like a fourth outfielder for them and just let Tucker jump right over him. Um, and the fact that they brought in Maben, I mean, not that that's like a death sentence for Fisher at all, but. I don't think they were really pleased with what he was able to do. Well, I think the nice thing about having Maben is you have a guy that gives you some some speed and versatility in the outfield. Right. Yeah. The the that's a defense and speed on the bases play when those are really two kind of weak spots for that team. I mean, you talk about how good the Astros are; they're one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. So you know, I think a lot of that actually tracks back to the outfield and the fact that you're playing you know George Springer who belongs in a corner and center you're you know Josh Reddick's fine and right but they you know they're always kind of sacrificing something and left so uh, that definitely makes sense um but yeah Tucker's a stud he's he's definitely a part of their future all right I'm in a tough spot here this is where it kind of gets you a little bogged down where I think there's you know four guys that I think are all about the same not necessarily in terms of tools or upside but just the whole calculus of when are they going to be up how much are they going to play uh i'm going to go with glaber torres he obviously season cut short this year uh due to injury but i think he was you know had he not gotten hurt i think you would have seen him playing almost every day for them at third base down the stretch and I don't see anyone standing in his way. Uh, and that, in, I mean, that honestly includes DD that includes Starlin Castro. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be an everyday player for them at some point next year. Not exactly sold that there's going to be counting stats galore for him by any stretch, especially in 2018, but I think he can hit for a high average. I think he's going to be a solid contributor and runs RBI. And maybe, you know, maybe the power just comes quicker for him than I'm expecting. I mean, we've seen that happen. You know, he's, he's a bigger guy than Francisco Lindor and, uh, you know, didn't take long for Lindor to start hitting 20 plus homers. So, you know, maybe Torres kind of just steps right in as a 15 plus homer guy right away. But uh, at the very least, I think that there's a, a pretty high floor in batting average and then there'll be some, some nice counting stat con- contributions. Nice. Yeah. He really, you know, if we were doing this again, like even like in January when he's just a little bit healthier, he'd probably be going uh, considerably higher in this draft. I, we got to see him really at field level last year in the fall league. Just so much poise for a kid his age. I mean, he's what nineteen when we saw him yeah. interacting with fans well, and like kids at at uh, the side of the, the field, and just carried himself with a, a lot of swagger, but just kind of a quiet confidence more so than like a overt swag. I mean, think about this. He's you know he's basically big league ready. Uh, I mean, not he he doesn't have a ton under his belt at AAA, but he's basically 
close to the big leagues, knocking on the door, but he's 20 years old. We've been talking about a guy like Willie Adames, uh, 22, full year at AAA under his belt. Uh, you know, a guy that we're a little lower on than most people, but Brendan Rodgers, 21, and he's just got to AA, you know, having, having some bumps at AA now that he's in a more, a more neutral park. And Glaber Torres is 20, and he's going to beat both. Well, he might not beat Willie Adamas to the big leagues, but it'll, it'll be close. Uh, I think that that, that kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when we're comparing some of the, the top shortstop prospects remaining in the, the minors. Any concern with Torres that the injury and the, the rehab from the injury could result in maybe maybe not like a full like effect on his offense, but maybe he isn't quite right offensively initially when he comes back? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I'm trying to think of who we saw. I guess Profar, but that was obviously different. He had like several years missed to a shoulder injury. This is a different case. But we've seen guys come back, and obviously after a long layoff, there is an adjustment period. I mean, how Miguel Sano is another guy that comes to mind yep. uh, with Tommy John. I, I can't remember how he was right when he got back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I took Alex Reyes first in the pitcher's draft. There's obviously plenty of risk there with him coming off of Tommy John. Uh, to me, I was just at this point with the hitters. You know, it was definitely close, but I, I was willing to roll the dice at this point in the draft on Torres, even though the the health is definitely an issue. Well, I'm willing to roll the dice now on Nick Senzel because yeah, I, I wanted you to. I wanted you. Yeah, to be happy I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. It's yeah. I have no idea when he'll be up, and really thinking about the Reds infield, it's. It's kind of jumbled, and I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out because Eugenio Suarez has made big strides defensively. He's really grown offensively in recent years as well. Jose Peraz is really kind of the X factor. You know, where is he going to be your new shortstop every day with Cozart presumably gone? What's going to happen here? I, I don't know. We'll see. I think maybe Suarez gets traded. Maybe they trade somebody else, but I think eventually – even if there isn't a trade, something will open up for Senzel. He'll step in and really hit the ground running. Uh, I'm continuing to play the OBP game, but it's just kind of a situation where it's it's so safe. The production when he does get the call, that safety in, in terms of quality of play when he does arrive is what eases my concerns about when he will arrive. And like Jesse Winker, maybe the power will play up more than we ever guessed, like it has for almost every major league player this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he beats – I honestly think he beats Kyle Tucker up. Uh, I think he's really may, may more big league ready, uh, just kind of judging by what they both did at AA, the fact that uh, Senzel's a college bat. Um, yeah, so I, I like that pick. I think that you're – you know, the, the concerns about where, where do you squeeze him in, I just – he's just one of those types of players that's too good to – for that to really be much of an issue. Um, he's probably after Joey Votto. I think they're hoping he's their second kind of second star. They're sort of one mm-hmm. B to Votto's one a long-term. So I think that they'll find room for him when, when it's time, maybe, maybe they wait till the super two deadline passes, but um, all right. I need to address some speed, I think, because I really don't have a ton there. You've got Acuna, Robles, uh, you know, Crawford will probably chip in some steals. Senzel, Tucker probably chip in some steals. I'm going to take Scott Kingery 
with the Phillies. Uh, another guy that I'm not exactly sure how they find room for. Uh, you know, he's probably capable of playing a little bit of third, maybe even some center field. Um, but, you know, they, they, they showed, but the fact that they're willing to play J.P. Crawford over Michael Franco right now uh, kind of tells me that they're willing to sort of pull pull the plug quickly on the guys that have been there for a while, been there for all this losing. And, you know, Kingery is a guy that could steal 25 bases over a full season, and I feel a little bit better about him being able to, if not hit for a, a really high average, not totally sink me there, whereas a guy – you know, there are some other guys left, you know, a guy like Franklin Barreto, where I think there's there's some steel upside, but I think he could also really, really hurt me in batting average. So I'll, I'll go with Kingery and just kind of be try to be patient while they figure out a way to get him involved because I think that one way or another, he probably gets to double-digit steals next year. Nice. Well, you mentioned the guy I'm picking, Franklin Barreto, who I've really kind of soured on to a pretty big extent in recent years. Uh, well, really in the past calendar year since we saw him in the fall league. You don't want to read too much into it, but the the flailing, the swing and miss also didn't look comfortable at short at all. But Franklin Bredo, I feel like, will play a lot next year. And, hey, I've built up – but, hey, I've built up a good uh, batting average <laughs> yeah, you, base. you do have that base. I have that that's base. A, that's a real nice base. By the way, that's just a bad – I've realized that's a bad way to approach fantasy league. <laughs> I used to love building on batting average, but it's really pretty hard to bank on average nowadays. You just yeah. don't know, unless you're getting Joey Votto, of course. Uh, but I mean, it fluctuates <laughs> even for guys like Miggy and um, like even like uh, Matt Carpenter. These types, you know, still getting on base at a good clip, but the the variances with balls in play can can really hurt you. I mean, how many guys? You know, I I'm I'm gonna bank on Votto. I'm gonna bank on Trout. I'm gonna bank on. I think Daniel Murphy falls into that category. Uh, I think Paul Goldschmidt falls into that category where I Altuve. just Altuve, but I mean you probably have a hard time getting to ten guys. You know, exactly. Char- Charlie Blackman, as long as he's in Coors, falls into that category. But it's it's just really tough to find guys that are true anchors for you. Like I tried to do that in staff keeper too, and yeah, Carpenter was a flop. Bogarts a yep. flop. Um, Those types are just you just don't know from you know, year. Do you? Do you consider Justin Turner and Corey Seager guys that you would Ooh, lock in one. there? <sighs> that's a good one. They're borderline. You know, I love Justin Turner, but, I, I man, this has kind of been a perfect year for him in terms of hitting for average. I think he'll have a pretty nice average next year, but I think if you're banking on, like, 300-plus, that's ill-advised. Like, I could totally see it going down to, like, 270 next year. He won't be a big drag, but I just don't – I po- don't want to put him in that, that, group. In that class. Uh Ugh, man, that's tough. I tough, just tough to bank on a catcher for anything. Yeah, really. exactly. <laughs> um, the position for him kind of takes him out of that realm, but yeah, you just don't know with some of these guys. So, I mean, with with Barreto, man, it's he's tough because I I don't really know what he is. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to be more of a power guy or more of a speed guy, and. Maybe that's good because it means that he could contribute in both, but I think I'd prefer for him to, at least early in his career, not be trying to get to so much pop. Uh, yeah. And maybe... He's pressing at the big league level, it seems like. 
I'd like him to prioritize contact and, you know, doing some damage on the bases when he gets on. And then, you know, eventually you kind of grow into that power. Uh, but it just sort of seems like he, you know, I, I've heard him in the past say that he, the guy that he models his game after is Miguel Cabrera. It's like, yeah, you're not, <laughs> you, you shouldn't I be the next Miguel. Cabrera. You shouldn't be because you're five ten and one ninety. Like <laughs> you're not, you're not going to be the next Miguel Cabrera. Um, nope. but I mean, he, he's just 21. It's, it's silly to be sitting here and dinging him too much for how bad he's been at the big league level. It's only what 21 games, but yeah, it's, it's some of the shines definitely worn off. You know, what he's done in at triple a is, is mostly BABIP and, and league, uh, geographics aided. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what to expect from him next year. I do expect a lot of playing time because, you know, what's the point of not giving him a lot of playing time? You gave him a full year at AAA this year, but who knows what to expect there. Uh, what are we at, by the way? So we have we each have two. Well, after after this one, we'll each have two more. Okay. Um, after your pick, we each have two? Yeah. Okay. Man. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a big swing and take the last sort of high-end guy I think that's available in terms of just raw tools and take Eloy Jimenez another guy kind of like Nick Senzel kind of like Kyle Tucker where you know finished the year at double a had a lot of success there especially for for how old he is but I think you know one thing that maybe separates him from Senzel and from Tucker especially is there's literally nobody that's going to be in his way. Whenever, whenever the White Sox think he's ready, like it's you're up and you're playing every day and no, nobody's going to stop you. I mean, that outfield, you know, obviously Al Garcia probably is a better fit at DH long-term for them. That outfield is, is really rough. And, you know, the way Eloy, I, you know, I've said it on this pod before. Since that trade, I thought he was the best hitter in all the minors. And if he comes in next year, it wouldn't wouldn't really surprise me. I don't think it would surprise anyone if he just in April and May is just absolutely murdering. I, I think he'll probably get assigned to AAA, absolutely murdering AAA pitching, and gets a gets a quick call. And that's that's going to be exciting because he's got monster raw power. Uh, has the chance to be a guy that hits 300 plus 30 plus homers maybe maybe 40 plus homers at some point I mean he's a guy that actually could be Miggy um obviously not saying he will be Miggy but I mean that's that's the type of hit tool and the type of power that Eloy brings so no lock that he's even up in the first half but it it obviously wouldn't surprise me yeah man that's gonna be fun to watch when that the youth movement starts there in the south side. Kopech, Eloy, obviously Moncada, who's shown some really impressive growth lately. It is September pitching, but I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Moncada. I'm going to go with Jake Bowers of the Rays. I'm vowing right now to never take another Rays pitching prospect, but I look at Bowers and I look at that outfield, I see a path for him. He spent most of this year at AAA. Not a ton of power, but some speed to go with. Decent pop, good on base skills. Again, got a theme going here. And 
look, I just, you know, who knows when he'll be up, but at this point in the draft, I'm confident he will at least contribute. And, you know, you know like most of the guys I've taken, I, I just feel like he won't really have too much of an adjustment period when he does get the call. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's he's going to be ready uh, whenever they're ready to plug him in. He'll be ready. I think he's ready right now. Uh, extremely advanced approach. Man, this is getting to a real tough spot. I, there's three guys I want. Only going to end up with two of them. And, you know, it's so it's so hard to rely, uh, like we said, on batting average and especially on a prospect's batting average. And, you know, while I think a guy like Alex Verdugo profiles as a, you know, 290 hitter maybe long term, I just I don't know if he it's safe to really gamble on him getting there next year. So I'm going to take another guy, another high risk guy coming off an injury in Dustin Fowler with the A's who, you know, when he was in the Yankees system, I just didn't know how the playing time situation was going to shake out. I mean, they they were having a hard time even finding room for Clint Frazier, but that trade was just so perfect for him. I know it takes him out of a, takes him out of Yankee stadium, but, the A's have been looking for a center fielder forever. Uh, they just, you know, they, they paid Rajai Davis to play center field for him this past year. Uh, that's how desperate they've been out there. Uh, I think f- the reports are that Fowler will be healthy for spring training. You know, we'll see how that goes. But the A's, we've, we've said before, are definitely a team that isn't shy about pushing guys. He's a guy that already reached the big leagues, albeit extremely briefly with the Yankees. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was their starting fielder or starting center fielder on opening day. Uh, probably wouldn't bet on that, but that's, that's how close he is in my opinion, in terms of proximity. And I think he's a guy that could realistically steal 20 plus bases, uh, kind of profiles as a leadoff type has the chance to hit double digit homers. But I mean, he's a high contact hitter who's going to steal bases has plus speed. So I think just, just the speed alone is, is the reason why I'm going with him here. Nice, yeah. I'm looking forward to to seeing him because obviously that was terrible what happened to him in his debut. Getting a new start here next year, and I think he'll. I do think he'll probably be a kind of a sneaky, probably a, a waiver pickup in a lot of leagues, but he could end up playing a pretty big part for owners next year. With my last pick, you know, I feel like I'm lagging behind in power a little bit, so I'm going to dig a little bit further down. And, and you know, judging on team context, I feel like there could be a path for this guy, Kristen Stewart. Sure, we saw him hit a homer in the the All Star Fall Stars game last year. Twenty eight homers this year, four hundred eighty five at bats at Double A. And again, team context, a big part here. This outfield in Detroit, woof, just is there out abys- which which outfield's worse, Detroit's or the White Sox? I think it's probably Detroit's. Yeah, I mean the White Sox have what Nicky Delmonico. And Alvisel Garcia. I mean, the, neither of those guys should be playing the outfield, but at least they <laughs> yeah. at least they've been hitting. Like, hey the, man, you gotta get keep Matt Davidson <laughs> at DH. Well, how do you take Matt Davidson's bat out of the lineup? <laughs> hey, you're the long ball. <laughs> what a slugger. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Stewart is. You know, he's got plenty of swing and miss, but there's on base skills there. Uh, probably hurts. I, I've I've sort of thought of him as like realistically maybe maybe he's chris davis with a k uh but i think that that's 
maybe maybe he's Chris Davis with a K, the one that we actually sort of thought Chris Davis was before these last two years in Oakland. But yeah, I mean, um, he had twenty eight homers, four hundred eighty five at bats at Double A. Wait till this guy gets his hand on, on the uh, the juice ball. Oh yeah, it's going to be flying get, out. <laughs> yeah, and uh. I, yeah, I just feel like he's yeah. We'll see how much he plays, but on that team, you'd think they'd give him an opportunity pretty early. Yeah. Uh, man. All right. I'm deciding between Willie Adamas and Alex Verdugo. And I think I'm going to go with, uh, man, I'm going to go with Adamas. Uh, that's it. That's one guy that I'd like to see, get his hands on that juice ball. Uh, way, <laughs> way more power than he's shown this year at triple a, with Verdugo, I'm just – I don't know how often he plays. I don't know what he does in terms of power speed. You know, he he could hit 10-plus out, I guess, but I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it also took him a year to, to really tap into playable fantasy outfield power. Uh, Adames, obviously nobody really, really standing in his way at – shortstop or second base in Tampa Bay. So I think that he'll probably be up once they gain that extra year of control on him in April. Uh, definitely think there's risk with the batting average with, uh, but I mean, that's kind of the case with most of these guys. I think there's 20 plus homer power here over a full season. So I'll go with the diamonds. Nice. Surprising that Verdugo didn't get taken. Yeah. I, I think know. most people would be pretty surprised by that. Uh, yeah. A couple other guys, you know, Christian Arroyo will probably play almost every day for the Giants next year. Uh, Heimer Candelario will probably play almost every day with the Tigers next year. Miguel Andujar is a guy who just based on tools should have gotten taken, but I don't know how he gets at bats necessarily. That's the thing with Verdugo too. I mean, even if there's some clearance in that outfield, it still seems inevitable that there's going to be a jam there. Yeah, they they just have so many guys. I mean, I do you just pay – Adrian Gonzalez to go away at this point? Probably. <laughs> I mean, that, Especially if you're that team and that, that market. That would certainly help if, if you just if took any chance of Cody Bellinger ever playing outfield again out of the mix. That would obviously help. Um, but, I mean, they, they have other guys. Chris that are Taylor. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, you know, Anthony Alford's probably going to play a lot for the Blue Jays next year. Greg Allen, uh, a speed guy I was considering. Love that catch he made the other night. I didn't see that. It was amazing. To end the game, it was a five-star catch, according to StatCast. I love, that, that kid's pretty special. I love that we didn't take any Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I glanced at Tyler O'Neill and just went right past I mean, I, I had Harrison Bader just as a, you know honorable mention guy. I mean, he still qualifies as a prospect, but, you know, come on. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> but getting back to Verdugo for a second, we worked out a trade earlier this year in staff – too. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> I just had to say that. Uh, for Mike Clevenger, I kind of twisted your arm a little bit during a lunch. I uh, got something done. Where does Clevenger go in drafts next year? Like He's looked incredible. Is he like a top 200-ish overall player? Um, Yeah, probably. Um, I think he's got a rotation spot pretty much locked down. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think... You know, I honestly I didn't even realize he was pitching this well because I don't have any shares. Um, 
He's, you know, I really do owe you half of my steak dinner. Actually, I didn't get you get him from you uh, in steak. I got him from Bernie, but uh, we did work something out in another. Well, you do owe me. <laughs> you owe me something. You owe me something. I'll buy your drinks uh, at the dinner. Look, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over <laughs> that, that Hoskins trade because, uh, you know, obviously I've been hot, like, the high man on Hoskins for, for quite a while. And it was sort of like a hedge trade, like, uh, well, he could struggle. And this is, you know, chip cashing in a couple, couple high strikeout starting pitchers. This would be great. Um, and, and if you look at the Roto, it, like, I mean, obviously I, I, I'm the only one that's been looking at my Roto points, but like the, the ground I would have made up in, home runs and RBI would have taken me from an eater in, or from a buyer in that league to not only an eater, but probably a casher uh, because there was just uh, so, much, so much gra- ground for me to make up in home runs and RBI in that league. Uh, and yeah, it's look, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're going to probably eat. I mean, it's one of us should God Don't, knows. Well, he did knock on wood. Let's see. It's I'm not comfortable yet. One more lineup period. I mean, it's it's you should be almost embarrassed that it's even close after. I am. After that oh, I I want that <laughs> league to be over with, just ASAP. I'm so embarrassed of how that league is going. If I if I somehow manage to eat in that league, it's going to be a, a damn miracle. But and really, that miracle came in the form of Reese Hoskins. I'm, look, I didn't I'm know happy. you'd trade him, but I mean, at the time when you came back with me, like, can I get two of those guys? You know, I had to think about it. That's, you know, it wasn't like a slam dunk at the time by any means. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 both arms are pitching well. I've got Hoskins in, in a handful of keeper leagues. It's fine. Oh, that's good. It's, um, yeah, man. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Bad beat. That's, that's a tough one to swallow, but. I'm actually looking forward to doing that mock where he goes because we're almost through two rounds and he's still on the board, which kind of surprises me, but I don't think he's going to get back to me in the third. I, but I go back and forth on that because part of me wants just the like level-headed uh, trying to not overreact to young players. Part of me doesn't want any part of him, but also it's like I've been singing this guy's praises for years Am I going to just jump off the bandwagon after he's really good in the big leagues? Like that yeah. doesn't make any sense. So we'll, I almost wish we'll he'd like happens. gone through any sort of like lull period, but I mean, he's just, the approach is so good. The at bats, you know, you watch his at bats and it's not just like the walk decay. Like he's working full counts. He's laying off tough pitches. It's, it's really impressive. The eye he has at his age. Yeah. He's a tough He's a tough guy to attack. I mean, pitchers will big league pitchers will figure out a way to. I mean, he he'll he'll have a he'll have a cold stretch at some point next year. But I yep. yeah, I think he's he seems like the real deal. I agree with you that I kind of want to you know be level headed and not chase what he did this year. But if if he's there with that twelfth pick in the third round of this fifteen teamer, it's mock. I probably will have to take him. But James, that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. Great stuff. Want to thank you for all the great insight throughout the season. Really the best in the biz for my money. We appreciate all you do here, of course. Time to go to the number one pick for you and I on our overall top top ten album countdowns, and it's, it's Supreme Clientele by Ghostface Killer. 
really, I don't know where to start with this album, but from the very beginning, this album really has kind of a unique character. The the beats by Riz are out of control. Great features throughout. I mean, some really just, you know, you take a couple of these songs and just throw them on like any Wu-Tang album and they'd be like standouts even there. This is easily the best Wu solo album of all time. Obviously, it's your and I, our favorite albums of all time, uh, album of all time. And for my money, there's not a, a bad track on this album. I don't think, I don't know if there's ever been an album that flows together as well as Supreme Clientele does from track to track. Uh, you know, I mean, I think we, we've definitely, in our top tens, we've touched on a handful that definitely stand out in that regard. But, uh, I mean, it's just every, it it just every single song goes into the next one so perfectly, and it it, it kind of plays almost like a, a musical or or something like that, where it's just perfectly crafted, perfectly laid out. Uh, you know, like the from you know you have the intro, this first track, but like from Nutmeg, which is number two, to like Mighty Healthy, which is number nine. I mean, just what a run of just firepower! Like, I mean, yeah. th- those tracks are just insane. They're all they're all ridiculous. They all kind of keep trying to top the last one. Um, then you get another skit, and then it just goes back on again, and you're just going going hard for the rest of the album. I mean, it. I do you have a favorite track on here? I think so, but just first, let me just say too that there's kind of a wide range of emotions on this album too. You know, you start pretty high. Uh, one is a great song, you know, Ghost Dini, Apollo Kids, but then you kind of go, kind of go low a little bit, you know, some kind of heart wrenching songs like We Made It are on there, but then you go up again, Cherche La Ghost, Wu Bang 101 by the end. It's really the, and I, that's what I like, you know, I was listening to, you know, We Can't Go, or I Can't Go to Sleep by the Wu Tang, and it's got that really kind of emotional uh, ghost face verse and that. And I, I like when, Ghost gets a little emotional. Where's the heart on the sleeve? Because you know, I don't really like that with a whole lot of other artists, to be completely honest, but Ghost really pulls it off, and I feel like I could feel his pain. But getting back to your question, oh, man, this is tough. For some reason, it, this is probably not what you'd say, but I'm going to say one. And I, I, I always listen to one just like randomly yeah. here and there, and that's that might be my favorite. That's that's definitely on the short list for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's bit one is basically always my favorite track on here after I've just listened to one. Yeah. Uh, like, and I would, I would honestly say that about buck 50. Uh, I just love that. I mean, that's method man, red man, you know, Capadonna gets a burst. Not, not really sure why, but, uh, you know, mighty healthy is, is a, is a classic uh, Apollo kids classic Wu bang a one oh one classic. I mean, bunch of 80 grade tracks on here. And the I, tracks, like even the ones that like had videos and got like some airplay. Oh man. They're just as good as anything else. Like Apollo kids, sure. Sure. Look ghost. I could still watch those and they still hold up better than anything from its era. Yeah. I mean the, the chair chick ghost vid is, is great. Uh, you got on that track um you know man this this is an album this is a good album 
Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, for my money, Wu Bang a 101, the beat might be, it's not even uh, a Riz a beat, but I mean, that's, to me, that's just like the epitome of, of like a Wu Tang beat. And it's, it's on a solo album. But like, like you were saying, like that could be like the headline track on like a, a Wu Tang Clan group album. Like, I mean, it's just such a kind of monumental. Uh, just exactly what you're looking for in a Wu-Tang song. Just looking at the Wikipedia page here, Chris Rock says it's one of his favorite albums. And uh, Entertainment Weekly, you can go to hell because they gave, <laughs> they gave this a C. Oh, for some well. That actually makes me... I'm like, oh, good. Well, at least at least Entertainment Weekly didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, since when did Entertainment sense. Weekly review <laughs> hip-hop albums? Yeah, they they just wouldn't understand such a classic. I feel bad for you, son. If you haven't listened to this album, you need to rectify that right away. Love this album. And really, I, I think I got it when I was in like sixth grade or something. And even then, I was just obsessed with it. We had to do like some project in school where we like created our own island. And like the, the picture of Ghost grabbing the mic that's on the cover was like the, the center picture on my money that you make for your own island. I, I, in uh in high school art class i my like final project was a a painting of the oh the album cover like that not so tight not um do you still have it yeah it's it's hanging in uh i think it's hanging in the office i believe um but yeah i mean the it doesn't have any of the text and it doesn't have ghost face but it's got the mic and the uh kind of light in the background so um, i actually have oh, i'm sorry to interrupt you no, I mean that. I think it's just funny that both of us have arts and crafted this album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I also still have the like Fye like plastic bag that says like Ghostface Supreme Clientele. I think it was like January something. Wow. Let me see when this release date was. February eighth, two thousand. Man, time flies. Well, do yourself a favor. You haven't listened to it. Go check it out. Appreciate it, James. We'll be talking to you guys probably in about, well, maybe about five, six weeks after the Fall League. We'll be checking in with you then. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.